I address you tonight not as the President of the United States, not as the leader of a country, but as a citizen of humanity. We are faced with the very gravest of challenges. The Bible calls this day Armageddon, the end of all things. And yet, for the first time in the history of the planet, a species has the technology to prevent its own extinction. All of you praying with us need to know that everything that can be done to prevent this disaster is being called into service. The human thirst for excellence, knowledge, every step up the ladder of science, every adventurous reach into space, all of our combined modern technologies and imaginations even the wars that we fought have provided us the tools to wage this terrible battle. Through all the chaos that is our history, through all of the wrongs and the discord, through all of the pain and suffering, through all of our times, there is one thing that has nourished our souls and elevated our species above its origins, and that is our courage. Dreams of an entire planet are focused tonight on those 14 brave souls traveling into the heavens. And may we all, citizens the world over, see these events through. Godspeed and good luck to you. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Yes, it's the end of the world as we know it. You know, our, our president actually muttered the words Armageddon at some uh, at some uh, uh, fundraiser fundraiser this week for the Democratic National Committee uh, to uh, keep the senators uh, the keep the 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 Democrats in charge of the Senate. And he actually said, we're closer to Armageddon than we've been since 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, of course, if you listen to that speech from the movie Armageddon, and he said, hey, for the first time, a species has the technology to save, it, save itself from extinction. extinction. We have none of that today. We have none of it. We're, we're, we're in the situation we're in in this country. Our gas prices are through the roof. 
We have the ability to change that by turning on our production in the United States, but we're not smart enough to do that. We're we're at the edge of we've got a uh, Putin uh, making suggestions about uh, nuclear the the nuclear winds could flow your way if you guys get in the way, and uh, and you know be beware don't be pushing us and threatening us with nuclear and of course Rocket Man in North Korea is, is setting off uh, setting off test uh, test missiles and uh, apparently uh, five in the last ten days and they're uh, and they they uh, landed in the Sea of Japan. So uh, North Korea is setting off missiles, and of course, then they mobilized the USS Ronald Reagan to the sea uh, off the coast of of Korea, and um, you know all this stuff is going on. We have no ability to do anything about it. Our president, by being weak, is is having all the other world leaders positioning themselves to take over. We're at the edge of Armageddon, and our president is doing fundraisers. He's doing fundraisers, and he's acknowledging that we're closer to Armageddon. And how the hell do you think we got there, Mr. Broccoli President? How do you think we got there? And you know what? If you pull up to the gas pump, like I did this week, and stuck the, stuck the gas the hose in your, in your car, and then looked at the, at the price of the gas, $7.39.9 a gallon, if you like that, then don't vote Democrat. How can anybody in this in this country, how can anybody in this country put a put a vote next to someone with a D next to their name? No matter, well, I like this guy. I like this guy. He's a Democrat, but he's a he's a nice guy. Come on, man. We have to vote R on everything. If you're not sure on any on any uh on any uh uh candidate on the ballot. Just vote R, because we need every Republican to be uh, have a one more advantage to take over our state, take over our country. We can't let anybody with it. You know, you may you may say, hey, not all the Democrats are stupid. Yeah, but they all vote stupid. One thing the Republicans don't do is they don't they don't stand together like the, like the Democrats do, and you know, together to together they're a lot stronger, and so. The Democrats, even you, you have to you have to wonder of all the all the Democrats in the House, they can't be all that they can't all be that stupid. But whatever Nancy Pelosi says to vote for, they vote for. Even if it has no no basis in common sense. Same thing with the Senate. Hey, you know we need every vote. We need every vote to beat the Republicans. And Joe Manchin was the last holdout that would actually say, hmm, well I don't really think this makes any sense. I don't think I'm going to vote for it or Kirsten Cinema in in Arizona. And now they're rolling over. You know, Manchin just, "Hey, Joe, if you vote with us, we're going to give you a pipeline in your in your in your state, but we'll give it to you next month." Oh, okay. Oh, okay, Chuck, sure. I'll vote for the the Inflation Reduction Act. Sure, cuz that's going to help my state when you uh, when you give me the the pipeline in it to get the gas line going in Virginia. Uh, in West Virginia, oh well, hey, you know what? That was last month. Now we've now we've got to cancel. I gotta I gotta change that. Come on, man, are you guys stupid? You would think, you would think that all we would have to do to take over our, take our state our country back is to have five out of two hundred and twenty 
Democrats in the in the House of Representatives that just said, hey, I'm not on board for this and have them just switch, have them just switch parties. One of those 50 senators in the Senate would have to say, hey, I'm not on board for this for this agenda of the of the Democrats and switch. But they won't. So coming up four weeks from Tuesday is Election Day, folks. You need to talk to your friends and your neighbors and your family, and you need to make sure that, and even if they're in a different, even if they're in a different state, tell them, vote Republican. You can't, you just can't sit this one out. Well, I don't really think my vote counts. You have to assume it does. Get out to the polls and vote R on everything. And I'm not saying that every Republican out there is, uh, is uh, the, the strong people we need in office. I can think of some some uh, Republican uh, Congress people uh, here close close at hand that I think are weak sucks. But you know what? If they didn't get challenged by another Republican in the primary, we don't have a choice. So don't stand on principle. Vote your pocketbook. Vote your life. I talked to, to one of my clients today. She goes, well, you know what? I'm not happy about what Biden's doing. But, you know, I, I have my other issues with Trump. And I say, hey, you know what? We didn't elect we didn't elect Trump to be the pastor of our church and we didn't elect uh, Trump to date our daughters. We elected him to run the country. And whether you liked him or not, whether you think he's an idiot, gas prices were low, employment was up, countries were coming were were pulling back from moving out of the country, the border was secure, we were energy independent, rocket man wasn't firing rockets rockets and we weren't being threatened uh, militarily. The world was safe. Even the even the the Middle East was was coming together. You saw peace uh, peace uh, treaties between uh, countries in the Middle East that had never done that. All was right in the world, whether you liked his tweets or not. All was right in the world because we were strong, and the other countries were were backing off. They were showing us respect. And you know, as Iron Man said, "Is it better to be liked or respected? Is it too much to ask for both?" But if you only get one, respect is what you want. And as, and as Trump would tell the other world leaders, hey, I'm going to bargain based on what's best for the United States, as you guys should bargain on based on what's, based on what's best for your country. And somewhere in the middle, we're going to come to agreements where we can both live with it. When Biden's out there uh, bargaining for what's best for the, for the global, for the whole globe, guess what? Well, you know, what's best for the whole globe is is to uh, limit the 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 gas the uh, fossil fuel use, and it saves it saves the world from all the emissions. So we're just going to cut off our energy independence, but then we're going to go over and ask Saudi Arabia to to ramp up their production so our gas prices can come down. And of course, what's happening as the Federal Reserve is raising our interest rates, and you're seeing economy come down. You're watching the you're watching the value of the U.S. dollar go up against uh, the other currency. So other countries that invested in our country and in, in, in our country with, with short-term bonds, you know, they're saying, Hey, you know what? I can get 15% on a, on a return on a, on a, my, on my money. And they, and they, they, based on their, uh, their, their um, exchange rate between their, their currency and the U S dollar, and then what they're getting on the bonds and then by the time the bonds are up, now the, the price of the, the value of the dollar is going up against theirs, and they're losing money for having invested in the United States. 
So while they say, hey, while the, while the United Nations comes out and says, hey, Fed, stop raising your rates. You're screwing us. Well, the Fed's supposed to try and help the inflation in the United States. So by, by helping the United States, it's hurting the other countries. So what are the other countries doing? Hey, let's just, let's just reduce, our, uh, reduce our production of oil and screw the United States. And people, and I see things on Facebook where they're going, well, you know what? Trump told them to, to reduce their production. Trump told the other countries to reduce their, their production because we ramped up our production. If the United States is drilling, we're not dependent on them. If the United States is making uh, computer chips, we're not depending on, on China or Korea or Singapore or anywhere else to, to make our computer chips. If the if the United States is making baby formula, we're not so we're not relying on other countries to make that. Can you see where this is going? There's a certain there's a certain common sense that goes to to running our economy and running our country, and the leaders in our country are diverse. They don't have any common sense. They don't have any knowledge of economics. They don't know how anything works, and it's it's destroying our country. And I don't know. I'm I'm praying that uh, election day brings us a uh, brings us a uh, Republican Congress and a re- Republican Senate. But we can't. Uh, we don't even can't even depend on that. We can't depend on. Uh, we can't depend on. That's going to stop Biden. We've got two more years of Biden, and if we get rid of Biden, we've got Kamala Harris, and that's even worse. We're in trouble. Hopefully. Hopefully we can get rid of uh, Biden and Harris before the two years are up and whoever turns out to be the, uh, the speaker of the house uh, will have a chance, but I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen. We're going to have to survive till 2024. So anyway, so let's, let's transition to some of the, some of the stuff I actually have on my script of things I want to talk about today about what's going on in this country and, and how, how ignorant it is. So let's talk about uh, this week in, uh, in migrant hypocrisy, so this week we saw what welcoming migrants with open arms really looks like in New York City as Mayor Eric Adams sent a team to build a tent city shelter on a well-known flood zone. Uh, Monday morning, a crew was constructing the tents in a parking lot at the Bronx's Orchard Beach neighborhood, an area that was flooded with several inches of water this past weekend. And guess who's in charge of that district? Why, it's number one friend of, of migrants, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But AOC didn't want the tent city in her backyard, telling the New York Daily News, I think we can get to a place with a better solution here. AOC claiming she was siding with the immigrants' rights activists who thought putting the shelter on a flood zone was inhumane. You know, in a flood zone, you know, like the whole city of New Orleans, uh, half of the state of Florida, everywhere near, uh, near rivers in the Midwest and lakes, everywhere where there's, you know, there, you know if you live in California and, and you're in a flood zone, uh, you don't not buy your house. You just ha- are forced to, to buy flood insurance just in case. So flood zones don't mean it's not livable place. And where would, where do you want to put the, the, the migrants that don't have any place to go? Uh, I got an idea, send them back to their country, but you know what, if, do you want that? You want to put us citizens in flood zones and put the, the migrants in, uh, on the top of the hill, uh, you know, maybe a Beverly Hills. That's a good place. This was Mayor Eric Adams' response to AOC's uh, response on Monday. People live in flood zones. <laughs> you know, people live in flood zones. And when there's a flood that threatens that zone, we evacuate. 
And so there's nothing, there's nothing new here. Exactly. And that's what happens in flood zones. And, uh, you know, well, it's inhumane. It's, it's inhumane to make uh, migrants live on buses on their way to New York with water and food on the bus. You know, they should be able to have uh, champagne and caviar. <clears throat> then just a few hours later, the mayor bowed to all the pressure. He, uh, he ordered the crews to tear down what was just constructed in the, to a new location, Randall's Island, an area that sits between Manhattan, Queens, and the Bronx, and not in a flood zone. The relief centers built on Orchard Beach are now being torn down as quickly as they went up. We pivot and shift. Listen, we're not afraid to pivot and shift. Mayor Eric Adams late Monday night announced a change of plans. He says migrants will now be given temporary shelter on Randall's Island. Yeah, that's uh, we, we're not afraid to pivot and shift. You mean that that means, hey, I'm not afraid to, to have no spine. I make a decision and, and everybody whines about it. So I'm just going to pivot and shift. That means I'm just going to change my mind. Well, I didn't mean to make you mad. I didn't really mean to make anybody mad. And there's evidence that New York City is trying to do the exact same thing that Abbott and DeSantis did. Lure the migrants out of their city by any means necessary. They're just being more sneaky about it. From the New York Post on Monday, New York City migrants pile into vans. They say they're headed to Florida for hurricane cleanup. Scores of Venezuelan migrants in New York City are hopping on vans headed to Florida for hurricane Ian cleanup, they told the Post. The migrants had scant information about whom they would be working for, but they still piled into vans. They said they were headed for the Sunshine State. They want us for hurricane cleanup. We get paid $15 an hour, overtime, and $15 for food daily. Yeah, $15 for food daily. What does that get you? Not very much. Said Javier Marino, 37, who said a woman named Camilla from an organization approached him with a flyer. Camilla from an organization. What organization? I don't know. She had a flyer, so she must be from an organization. After he got off the bus in Florida, they asked him for his comments. I am 35 years old. I am divorced. And I live in a van down by the river. Well, now you do. A driver of one of the vans told the Post he was under contract with a, with a water and debris company. A water and debris company. What would that be? Is that like Service Master or... Uh, or uh, what they somebody just came up with a, they went on to legal zoom created a company called water and debris cleanup and the city of new york is going to pay us to pay uh, illegal immigrants to come out and uh i don't know what are they going to do uh i'm taking these people to van straight to florida tonight the van driver said i don't know how many people have left or how many vans are coming behind one migrant woman said she learned of the vans and the potential work from group chats that migrants are in We all decided we would go, she said. When asked who was offering the work, she said, I don't know anything, sweetheart. Gregorio Avila, 22, said he came from Venezuela, entered the U.S. through Texas before being bused to New York. He said a lady offered him and the others work in Tampa. They're telling us that we're going to work. Avila said, we have a contract with a lady who's taking us to Florida. We are going to work as contractors on disaster. About 100 migrants left the shelter on 30th Street to take advantage of the work offer. So wait a minute. We're going to work as contractors. Are you contractors? Or are you just manual laborers? Does that mean you have a contractor's license? Do, uh, do you have any skills? Do you have any skills that would uh, be required that might be uh, helpful in cleaning up a uh, hurricane cleanup? Uh, or you're just manual laborers? Uh, here's Governor DeSantis on what those contractors, migrants, did once they got to Florida. 
We've had four looters that were arrested, um, I guess a couple days ago, and, and they need to be brought to justice, and we're not going to tolerate it. But you know, three of the four are illegal aliens. And so these are people that are foreigners, they, they're illegally in our country, and not only that, they try to loot and ransack after, in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, they should be prosecuted, but they need to be sent back to their home country. They should not be here at all. If I could, you know, I would take those three looters, I'd drag them out by the collars, and I'd send them back to where they came from. Yeah, they should be dragged out by something besides their collars. Um, you know, these are, these are high-quality people we're letting across the border. Okay, Democrats that are listening. Are these the people we want being brought into our country? Oh, these are only three of them. Bull. You know, these people, what did you expect? You're going to send them down to Florida where people are out of their houses because they got flooded. You're going to do cleanup. And what did you expect them to do? You think these are law-abiding citizens? They came across illegally. They came here for free stuff. And what did you do? You put them, put them in an area where buildings are, are flooded or partially destroyed or they're messed up. And people can't get in, and we're going to say, hey, you help clean it up. Oh, disregard all those valuables that are in there, because uh, those are for the people that actually own these buildings. So leave those alone. Don't touch. Don't touch. We trust you. Wrong. And, uh, and this, is all, this is all interesting timing when you consider something the 82-year-old Speaker of the House said over the weekend. Best thing that we can do for our economy is to have comprehensive immigration reform. We have a shortage of workers in our country. And you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. Yeah, she sounds kind of like a slave owner, doesn't she? Well, hey, you know what? Uh, send those immigrants over here. We need them to, to pick crops. Well, didn't you have a plan to pick crops before the immigrants came here? Didn't you have a plan? I think you did. So what kind of what kind of BS is line is this? You know what? Uh, hey, and and what we really need is comprehensive immigration reform. Does anybody know what that is? What is comprehensive immigration reform? We've been hearing people talk about it since since the eighties. Well, we need comprehensive immigration reform. Really, what we need is a wall. I remember uh, Newt Gingrich was running for president. Uh, I don't know, 2012 was it, or was it 2008? And he said, you know what? The first thing I would do is seal the border. He goes, one year after I'm in office, we'll have the border sealed. And then we start talking about what we do with the immigrants that are here. But you got to stop people from coming across the border before you give any amnesty or any path to a citizenship. This is called common sense, folks. Hey, you know what? Before, before, you, uh, before you start, uh, before you start working on, on your body, before you start working on it, stop the bleeding first. Hey, wait, wait, you know what? I, I, I had a problem. I, I was getting dizzy. I was getting dizzy and I fell and I slashed my, I slashed my leg open and it's pumping, pumping blood all over the thing. Hey, what do you do? Let's figure out why, what made you dizzy that caused you to fall. No, no, why don't we stop the, why don't we stop the gash in my leg from bleeding? So I don't bleed out before you figure it out. This is called common sense, something that United States leadership doesn't have anymore. And hopefully, hopefully, if we all talk, if it's not just me, if, if you guys spread the word, 
maybe we can get American voters to do something different this time than we did last time. And of course, and stop the and stop the steal of the all the fraudulent stuff that went on. Hey, so anyway, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be right back with lots more. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing, but that's what I do. If you need, uh, if you need to ask me about real estate and financing, you want to talk to somebody with uh, who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and uh, put in the, co- put in the, your information on the contact page and it'll pop, pop up on my email and I'll, uh, and I'll give you a call back, or you can email me at, at ed at edhoffman.net. So, uh, so before the, uh, before the break, we're talking about the uh, idiocy that is the uh, migrant crisis and the lack of, uh, and the lack of uh, common sense that's going on in the running of our country and, uh, and how uh, that's kind of leading us to the end of the world. And even our president is, is saying, hey, we're close to, closer to Armageddon than we've ever been since 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, and also before I go any further, I was I was thinking about opening the show this week with this little musical clip. Well, I was born to call miner's daughter in a cabin on a hill in Butcher Holler. Yeah, I was going to use that song as a tribute we to uh, Loretta Lynn, who we lost this week. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, you know, I've never been, I was never a big twangy country fan. I, you know, I liked, uh, I, uh, I like country music now, but you know, the twangy stuff from the old days really wasn't my thing, but you know what, uh, Loretta Lynn, uh, was kind of like the mother of, uh, of, uh, country music for all those years. And, uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine, uh, from high school called to say happy birthday last week. And, uh, and I said, remember, remember, uh, back in those days, you know, we used to, we used to be over at your house and we were in, your dad was always in the garage and he always had KLAC going on in his, uh, on his little radio in the garage playing that twangy country. And, uh, and of course I brought up the fact that, uh, that Jack's dad used to say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I may be a dirty old man, but it's better than just being old. And, uh, and so he called to say happy birthday and, uh, happily found out that his mom and dad are still, uh, still kicking and doing well. So, uh, so, so that's good, but that made me uh, that made me think of the twangy days of country, and then we lost Loretta Lynn the next day after uh, he called. And uh, you know, for those of you that haven't seen the movie Coal Miner's Daughter with uh, with uh, Sissy Spacek and and Tommy Lee Jones, uh, it's a good movie, good movie from the seventies. And uh, but hey, you know they they put the uh, the same uh, the same corner on to do the autopsy on Loretta Lynn. Uh, age 90 and they that that did the autopsy on uh, on Queen Elizabeth and they came up with a cause of death old age you know some people don't need an autopsy they just lived a long full life and uh, you know she's in God's hands now so uh, so anyway so let's get on to uh, uh, hurricane response it never fails that a Republican-led state gets uh, gets hit by a natural disaster and the liberals everywhere put them under the spotlight of scrutiny and that's what's happening to Governor Ron DeSantis this week, as the liberals are claiming he didn't have he didn't give certain Florida counties enough advance warning to evacuate. 
like Lee County, where evacuation orders were given the day before Ian touched down as the storm's path suddenly shifted in their direction. Because, you know, if you're the governor of the state and you're a Republican, um, you should have a, a special connection to God. And uh, and he tells you what's what's going to happen. God and Mother Nature. Well, as we all know, the left thinks Republican politicians are supposed to be meteorologists and magicians. When the president is a Republican, everything that goes wrong with the emergency response is his fault. But, uh, of course, that's not the case here. So we blame it on the uh, on the governor. Um, we all remember how the 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush, was treated for his response to Hurricane Katrina. Remember, this was a, a telethon that was being done to get AIDS to the families of, uh, of Hurricane Katrina uh, in Louisiana. And subtle, but in even many ways more profoundly devastating is the lasting damage to the survivors' will to rebuild and remain in the area. The destruction of the spirit of the people of Southern Louisiana and Mississippi may end up being the most tragic loss of all. George Bush doesn't care about black people. I didn't appreciate it then, I don't, I don't appreciate it now. It's one thing to say, you know, I don't appreciate the way he's handled his business. It's another thing to say this man's a racist. I resent it. It's not true. And it was one of the most disgusting moments of my presidency. You know, as we go off on a little sidebar here, you know, that that was uh, Michael Myers of uh, Wayne's World fame and Saturday Night Live uh, reading off reading off the, the script while Kanye West just kind of goes off off uh, off script and hey you know george bush is a george bush is a racist he doesn't like black people and uh and of course that's not the that's not the first or only time kanye west has done something like that uh if you remember in uh, 2009 the mtv music awards as uh taylor swift formerly a country a country singer now she's just a bubblegum bubblegum hit singer um as she got the awarded the video of the year uh, as Kanye West is supposed to be presenting it to her, he says this. Yo, Taylor, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Yeah, well, you just got the award for video of the year, but Beyonce should have got it because she had the best video of all time. Okay, apparently he didn't, uh, he didn't present it to her. He just ambushed the stage as someone else was was uh was presenting it to her so my mistake on that one and of course if you happen to watch tucker carlson this week and saw him interview uh, kanye west kanye west all over the place all over the place he, you know he's and even even tucker looked like he was struggling to come up with a uh come up with uh, nice things to say you know you know kanye west doesn't well he's called yay west now um he doesn't sound like an unintelligent person he just his brain is just seems a little scrambled to me. He's all over the place talking about this and that, and he can't stay on, can't stay on point. And of course, uh, you know, one of the things that I notice as he's talking about his potential run for president is he's so focused on, on black people and the color of the skin and how, what, what do black people want? And we want to have our total takeover of, of every position. So we get everything we want. It's like, hey, you know what? You talk like you're you talk like you're intelligent and you're and you're not a racist, and you point fingers at people that are racist, but then you talk about how how everything needs to be based on color of your skin. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the problem. But this is what this is what I see. So let's get back to the Katrina moment. You know, we had a we had a a racist a, a president who doesn't like black people in Katrina. That's why the people in Katrina were suffering because you know. Uh, 
he sent he sent the hurricane down to New Orleans. And of course, uh, uh, DeSantis did that purposely too. You know, he he had control of the hurricane. But when the president's a Democrat, as is right now, everything that goes wrong in the emergency response is the fault of the state's Republican governor. I wonder what happens if there's a Democrat governor and a Democrat president. Who do they blame then? And I don't know. They'll think of something. In this case, it's Ron DeSantis. Fortunately, today's Republicans are used to this by now. So here's Ron DeSantis telling off the CNN reporter. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry stationed uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. Yeah, really, where were you guys? Well, did you stand by the the decision to put reporters in Tampa when it was going to land in Lee? Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, and of course, if you see me on Facebook, uh, I made a comment. I made a comment as uh, last week in the in the hurricane. You saw these reporters standing there in the wind, going, "I'm standing here, and it's 140 mile an hour wind, and it's wet." And uh, and I said, "You know what? That's going to be my next career. My next career, I'm going to get hired on." And it does. I don't even have to be a full timer. Just let me be a reporter. You pay me to go down in the hurricanes, and I'll just stand in the wind. And uh, report. Hey, it's windy here. I'll be a I'll be a paid uh, I'll be a paid uh, uh, dog out there. I'm trying to think of uh, you know I have a Bernese Mountain Dog now, but uh, even even before when I had my Saint Bernard tank and Maximus before him, um, you know they all love to just stand in the wind. It's windy outside. They just want to go out there and stand in it and just you know be the king of the mountain. So I want to do that for my next career. So uh, so. So let's talk about how the president is responding. On Tuesday, he visited Puerto Rico. Remember when the left melted down because Trump playfully threw a roll of paper towels when he went there in, uh, after Hurricane Maria? Well, the current president didn't do that. But he did pander to the crowd, informing them that he, Joseph R. Biden Jr., a very white man who has lived in Pennsylvania and Delaware his entire life, considers himself to be raised Puerto Rican. I come from a little state, the little state of Delaware. It's not like the congresswoman from New York. She's in the big state. But we have a very, in relative terms, large Puerto Rican population in Delaware, relative to our population. We have the eighth largest black population in the country. And between all minorities, we have 20% of our state is minority. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. Yeah, so uh, apparently, uh, apparently he uh, he ate some fried plantains and uh, maybe some a rose con pollo with some uh, and some roasted pork, you know, which is a, a rose con pollo is rice and chicken, and uh, that's apparently a big dish in Puerto Rico. Of course, it's a big dish in Mexico, and uh, matter of fact, uh, rice and chicken is uh, is fairly popular in the United States as well, um, but. You know, he might eat a fried plantain or something that that makes him Puerto Rican. You know, of course, and if you say, well, you know, we have the highest uh, uh, minority population in in the country. Highest. Well, you got you got, you know, 100 people that live in that state. And if uh, and if uh, 20 of them happen to be of some sort of minority. And of course, who's not a minority today? You know, everybody's everybody's got a mixture of something in them. So I guess you can you can classify us all as minorities. So you know he's Puerto Rican now. Him and Corn Pop, 
corn pop was a Puerto Rican too, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, of course uh, he had, uh, you know, in the summertime, uh, Biden's uh, legs uh, uh, had got his legs, his hair on his legs turned blonde. And, you know, when they got wet, you know, the kids like to put water on his legs and watch the, watch the hair stand up after they dry off. And uh, where did we get this guy and who put him in the white house? <clears throat> I got a, I got a, uh, I got a uh, shirt last week says I want reparations from everyone who paid, who, who voted Democrat. So, uh, so let's go on to some twisted equity uh, stuff that's going on in this country. Meanwhile, the pre the vice president says communities of color should be the first in line for hurricane relief at the DNC women's leadership forum. Kamala Harris said this. Our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity what does that mean resources based on equity is that like comprehensive immigration reform is that like uh, i don't know what other what other uh, uh, buzzwords I can use to uh, to talk about word salads and stuff that uh, Kamala Harris says? You know, if you think about the significance of time over the time, it's really significant. And then you hear this week say, "Hey, you know, we did a Venn diagram, and you know, I love that word Venn diagram, the three circles, and then you do put the timelines of this and that, and it's just amazing. What does any of that stuff mean?" Nothing ever means anything when it comes out of Kamala Harris's mouth. So, uh, so what does resources based on equity mean? Does that mean uh, if you own more equity, you get more resources? Does that mean if the government owes you something? What does that exactly mean? I don't know. Uh, well, here's a here's a question. Here's a question, and this is something I've been asking for the last last couple of weeks since Hurricane hit. Uh, and all the and all the people we're going to give this many people this this we're going to we're going to give all this all this uh, all these resources to these people. Hey, people that own own properties in Florida that got affected by the hurricane, they have insurance. You know why the you know we used to quote as we're doing home loans used to quote hey you know an average family home you know fifteen hundred twelve hundred two thousand square feet fifty bucks a month. There's no such thing as $50 a month for homeowners insurance anymore. That just doesn't happen. Why is that? Wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, all this all this stuff that the insurance companies have taken such losses that the cost of the insur of insurance goes up. You know, riots, Black Lives Matter uh protests, uh looting, all this stuff, that all affects the insurance companies. Why is the government going to take our tax money and pay it to these people? They've got homeowners insurance. If they've got commercial properties, they've got commercial insurance. And those insurances cover putting you up in a place to live while your place is getting fixed. And if you don't own a place, you just move someplace that wasn't affected. Why, does the, why do the taxpayers have to pay for this? I understand clean up, but all the taxpayers. And if you listen to uh, Kamala Harris talk about uh, you know, access, access to all this stuff, um, you know what? I see the FEMA workers out there and the Red Cross and all that stuff. What more do you need? So now the White House is back to cleaning up another mess on aisle 45, uh, aisle 46. I'm sorry, Biden-Harris mess. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre with what the vice president really meant. 
We are committed to quickly getting resources to all communities impacted, period, full stop. Uh, but we also know that some people, particularly in lower income communities, have a hard time accessing that help. Uh, that's why this administration has also made a priority to remove barriers and ensure that everyone, regardless of their zip code, can access federal resources. And that's what she was talking about. And just for those of you that are older like me, you know, uh, I hear this. I hear this a lot. Uh, you know, we're we're committed to taking care of these people. Full stop. Full stop. Are you guys talking a different language? Uh, I had to. I had to ask Brooke, my uh, production assistant, what does full stop mean? Oh, period. Full stop. It's like a. Uh, it's like doing a. It's like uh, dictating a, a telegram or something. Uh, or maybe they're talking. Maybe they're talking on a radio. Was that a niner? You know, uh, uh, alpha, alpha, omega, beta, niner. <clears throat> they have to speak in some other kind of a language. Full stop. You know, apparently, if you're if you're uh, if you're uh, part of the LGBT community and uh, you're part of the part of the the diversity uh, cabinet, you talk different. You talk different because you got to be woke. So let's talk about uh, more equity stuff going on in, in our state of California. Speaking of equity, Governor Gruesome Newsom uh, is that again, passing legislation no one asked for, all in the name of equity and social justice. Let's look at three bills he signed into California over the past couple of weeks. Restricting the use of rap lyrics in criminal trials. Apparently, uh, apparently uh, there's a new, new bill called AB 2799, the Decriminalizing Artistic Expression Act will help protect artists' artistic expression in hip-hop and rap by restricting prosecutors from using rap lyrics as evidence against criminal defendants in California. The bill was approved by state lawmakers in August after some backlash over imprisonment of these rappers none of us have ever heard of, Young Thug, Gunna, and the late rapper Drakeo Ruler. All three of these rappers had lyrics used as evidence against them by prosecutors. Well, you know, as Chris Rock would say, you know, hey, you got you got you getting harassed by the by the police. Stop breaking the laws. For example, Atlanta prosecutors allege Young Thug formed a street gang and promoted it through his songs. He's not even in California making this law even less relevant. Young Thug, Gunna, and 26 members of their gang called Young Stoner Collective. I guess that means uh, young people that smoke weed uh, face 56 counts, including armed robbery and murder. Drakeo, the ruler, had similar scenario. He was facing first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. As we uh, notice that they 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 list those in an opposite uh, in opposite order of how they happen. You know, you have a conspiracy to commit murder, and then an attempted murder, and then a first-degree murder. But in his case, will not go to trial as he died in last in December last year, stabbed stabbed on the at the, some music festival in Los Angeles, and of course his family members are suing uh, Live Nation for putting on the event that he got stabbed at. They're going to sue them. But wait, what about the people that you murdered? I don't know. I don't know. Here's the next stupid law that they signed into effect. AB 2147, the Freedom to Walk Act, decriminalizing the act of jaywalking by allowing pedestrians to cross the street away from an intersection without being ticketed as long as it's safe to do so. Introduced by State Assemblyman Phil Ting, Democrat, of course, from San Francisco, the bill says an officer can only stop and cite pedestrian for jaywalking in cases where a reasonably careful person would would realize there's there's an immediate danger of collision. Really? 
really, we pay these people. Do we pay assembly people to, uh, to serve on the, on the state assembly? And this is what they're doing. Drafting up, drafting up bills to, uh, to, uh, make sure that cops don't can't enforce laws for jaywalking unless it's unless it's reasonable that someone would think there's a danger when they did it so once a, what's the point of this law according to ting's office jaywalking is arbitrarily enforced in california and tickets are disproportionately given to people of color and lower income indiv- individuals who cannot afford the tickets uh and that can they can often total hundreds of dollars hey you know they arbitrarily enforce this stuff you know you're 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 jaywalking in the middle of a block a cop comes by and you flip him off you know what that tends to make an arbitrary reason for a cop to pull over and say hey you're busted i'm giving you a ticket for jaywalking you know what you could also also get uh, arbitrarily uh written up for littering arbitrarily written up for spitting on the sidewalk you know all you got to do is just flip the cop off use some uh use some disrespectful stuff and uh arbitrarily those cops just pick you out because you're black. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't understand because I've got white privilege, but uh, you know, I've spent 61 years uh, not being arrested. I have been pulled over by cops and uh, you know, my mama taught me, uh, you know, when a cop pulls you over, say yes, sir. No, sir. Tell the truth, be respectful. And uh, because if, uh, if the cop uh, brings you home, you're going to wish the cop took you directly to jail when my mom gets done with me. And that's how I was raised. But you know what? We got uh, assembly people in California that are writing up new laws because uh, some people get arbitrarily ticketed for jaywalking. So here's the, here's the last one. Pay transparency. Beginning January 23rd, employers in California will be subject to several new transparency requirements aimed at promoting pay equity. In other words, making sure that uh, if you have a position and you are a lazy, a lazy grunge, and you don't do anything but just watch the clock. You have to get paid the same as someone who actually actually uh, goes to work, and and instead of killing time, they work time to death. Employers with 15 or more employees located anywhere will be required to post the pay scale for all open positions in their job postings. Previously, California employers had to provide an applicant with the pay scale for position only upon reasonable request. So, hey, I'm applying for this job. What does it pay? That seems like reasonable request. We have to write a law for that. How is pay scale defined? The salary or hourly wage uh, wage range that an employer reasonably expects to pay for a position. Really? Also in the law, upon request, employers of all sizes will be required to provide employee with the pay scale for their current position. So just in case you didn't get as many raises as someone who actually comes to work and actually works and uh, you know tries to stand out and work towards a promotion, you get to know when somebody else gets a raise and you don't. What happened to privacy laws? I don't know. This just doesn't seem logical to me. Employers of all sizes will need to keep records of job title, wage history for each employee throughout their employment. And for three years afterwards, that will be, that'll be uh, instrumental in people coming back to sue their employers after they're terminated for, uh, for not paying them enough while they were employed. Uh, employers of 100 or more employees hired through labor contractors in prior calendar year will have to file separate data reports. Uh, pay data reports will need to include median and mean hourly rate for each in the, each combination of race, ethnicity, and sex in each job category. So it's not just it's not just hey, let's make sure everybody's getting paid. We want to make sure you're not discriminating because of the color of someone's skin 
or their sex or their uh or you know there's there's not just two sexes now there's you know unlimited amounts of sex so hey you you, you know of all the people that are trans transgender or uh or cross-dressers you're not paying them as much employers with multiple establishments need to establish separate pay data for each establishment um and here's here's the last here's the last little thing California start will start handing out $1,050 stimulus checks to residents this week to combat inflation. Qualifying Californians will receive relief payments of up to $1,050 each to soften the blow of inflation. Here's how it breaks down. If you're married or a joint filer, you get $700 if they make up to $150,000. $500 if they make if they make 150,001 to 250, 400 if you make between 250,001 to 500,000. Really? So figure the price of gas went up $2.50 a gallon. So that's about 40 bucks a tank of gas. So they're going to pay you for 10 tanks of gas of what you lost based on the idiocy that goes on in this state, in this country. And is that really going to help? Anyway, well, that's that's all the time I have this week for this dose of common sense and uh, clarity of what's going on in this country, folks. I'm sorry to be so negative this week, but you know, uh, we are closer to Armageddon than we have been since 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and we have no ability to think our way out of it. So anyway, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week.